The Bible passages can be found on pages five and six of your service sheets. The first one is from the Old Testament, Proverbs, chapter one, beginning at verse one. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behaviour, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The New Testament reading is taken from Colossians chapter 3. Coincidentally, if you were uh, watching the royal wedding the other day, this is the actual passage that they had at uh, Princess Eugenie's wedding. So it's starting at verse 12 of chapter 3 of Colossians. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, my name is Craig Tubman. I'm one of the assistant ministers here in the parish of Church Hill, and uh, usually at this time of the morning, I'm down at our 9.30 service at the Garrison Church. Uh, I've just come from there. I bring greetings from your brothers and sisters at the Garrison, and uh, it is great to be able to share this morning with you. Uh, this morning, uh, as Justin is away down in Canberra, I'll be finishing our reflections in our three-week series, Five Myths of Marriage, Singleness and Friendship, and uh, no guesses for working out what this third and final week is as we explore this topic of friendship. And as I was reflecting on it during the week, I wonder if good, deep friendship perhaps more than any of our other relationships, is a true fruit of wisdom. Uh, wisdom's a bit of a lost term in our culture. Uh, perhaps that's why friendship is becoming a lost art. 
We are more than aware of concepts like success, happiness, pleasure, but wisdom, perhaps not so much. Wisdom is quieter than these. It's less sexy, it's less marketable, but it could well be a lake that sits deeper and wider than any of the babbling brooks of self-fulfillment we often hear splashing around us. Wisdom refers to the biblical art of living well. The theologian Hugh Black reflected that the book of Proverbs might also be called a treatise on friendship. There is no book, even in classical literature, which so exalts the idea of friendship and is so anxious to have it truly valued and carefully kept. Uh, It was C.S. Lewis who noted to the ancients, friendship seemed the happiest and most fully human of all loves the crown of life, the school of virtue. The modern world, in comparison, ignores it. Interesting that in our very modern, progressive, evolving culture, a book was re-released just this week, Tuesday, 9th of October, called How to Be a Friend, which was a retranslation of Cicero's classic from 44 BC. In the ancient world we had Aristotle writing, the desire for friendship comes quickly. Friendship does not. And in 2012, the songwriter Passenger lamented this reality, singing, when we all had new iPhones, but no one had no one to call. In the book of Proverbs, life is presented as a journey uh, in which we are constantly faced with a choice between two paths, or to use the metaphor correctly from Proverbs, which table will we dine at? The table of wisdom or the table of folly? The path of wisdom or the path of folly? Uh, We need good friends who will travel with us to help us discern the right road and spur us to keep walking down it. Or as Proverbs 12 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man, so one woman sharpens another. What I find intriguing is that throughout the Scriptures, such friendships are important, not first and foremost. Oh, I've just gone ahead here. Let me say, what I find intriguing is that throughout the Scriptures, such friendships are important, not first and foremost as a means to emotional fulfillment, but indeed as a matter of wisdom. Uh, We need good friends if we are to avoid making a mess of our lives and instead run with perseverance the race marked out for us. That is true for all of us, male, female, Married, single, extroverts, introverts. Uh, In preparing for today's sermon, I've been greatly challenged. And I knew I would be. I knew this sermon was on the horizon and I was preaching at all services. Uh, Perhaps that was God's goodness, His timing. Uh, Whilst each of us have very different stories of growing up, uh, mine was, on the whole, very positive. Um, I had a lot of friends 
Interestingly, some of the best friends came through a period of six or so years when we were leading a local youth group together. We were standing side by side, seeking to do something for God's kingdom together. I had a large group of what I'd call real friends, and within that I had a smaller group of five friends who I was very close with. Now, I'm more than aware that this is not everyone's experience of youth. But for me, back in 1999, uh, it would have seemed absurd to me that I would be personally challenged in giving a sermon on friendship. But so it is that in 2018, I've maintained relatively few close friendships. And in his gentle wisdom, God has given me, me this topic to meditate upon and reflect with you today. And it's a topic that we would all do well to sit with, reflect, and act upon. Today, I want to explore the topic of friendship guided by three things, the words of Proverbs, a book by Vaughan Roberts called True Friendship, and reflections from C.S. Lewis in his book, The Four Loves. And rather than five myths, which has been the theme of our series these last couple of weeks, uh, we're going to unpack five truths of friendship, and I'll leave you to construct what its cohabitating myth may well be. The five truths of friendship that we're going to explore today are this, true friendship is crucial, it is close, it's candid, it's constant, and it is Christ-centered. So let me pray for us as we explore these truths. Our dear Lord and loving Heavenly Father, give us wisdom, we pray, that we may discern what really matters. And through the power of your leading spirit, walk the path of wisdom. Amen. To say that friendship is crucial, number one, uh, may seem a little extreme, but friendship does tap into the very design of our humanness. Uh, to f Proverbs 1.7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Uh, to fear God in the scriptures is to, to know God and to respond to him as God. Uh, something that still confounds me is the biblical picture of God as relationship. That at the center of existence is an all-powerful creator being who is, by definition, a relationship. Father, Son, Spirit. Uh, how these three relate is a mystery, but that they relate, and they relate well, lovingly, without sexual interaction, in unity, is core to the Bible's image of God. As you read the Gospel of John, you'll hear Jesus constantly talking about his relationship as the Son with his Father and the Spirit. God himself is a relationship. And another core revelation of the Bible is that you and I are created, we are breathed life in the image of this God. Whilst this means so many things, 
I take it it cannot mean anything less than we are, in our very DNA, relational creatures. You are a relational creature. To say friendship is crucial is to recognize this aspect of our human fabric. A genuine connection, not just knowledge of, but healthy relationship with God himself, with other people, is this biblical picture of healthy human life. And I wonder, on this frame, um, how's your health? How's your health? In his essay on friendship, C.S. Lewis points out that while lovers often see face-to-face, delighting in one another, the characteristic pose of friendship is side-by-side, shoulder-to-shoulder, Friendship begins, he suggests, when we discover those traveling the same road as us and we decide to walk together. I wonder, who are you walking your life journey with? Who are your friends? I don't ask this with a tone of accusation. I, for one, am more than aware that the desire for friendship comes quickly, but friendship does not. Rather, I ask the question, as uncomfortable as it can be, because of its importance to us as humans created in the image of God, who are you walking your life journey with? Who is your friend? Good friendship is crucial. Secondly, friendship is close. Proverbs 18 says... A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Friendship is close. Isn't it interesting that even here in this ancient proverb, there is a distinction between companions and friends. Our companions are the people, perhaps, that we work with or that we might share a sports club with or a book club with, perhaps those we come to church with. A true friend is someone with whom we not only have a shared interest, but with whom we bear our soul. We live our journey with. I had one, uh, what I, several, but one what I would say deep friendship during my time at Bible college when I was studying there. Uh, he was actually a friend of a friend. And he came into my dorm room during our first semester because everyone's kind of getting to know the people they're going to be studying with over the next few years. And uh, he looked over my bookcase and over my collection of DVDs and he said, I think we're going to be friends. (laughs) So he shared interest. But we were not true friends until this shared interest grew into a true revealing of our personalities. And it did, by the grace of God, as we shared our own battles with sinful habits, we shared personal tragedies involving depression and infertility and disappointments, and we never sat above each other in judgment. Rather, we stood alongside each other in this journey of faith, following Jesus. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Uh, In his book, True Friendship, Vaughan Roberts asked the question, what if we realized most of what we thought were friends were actually just companions? How do we move forward into friendship? And he gives two tips, uh, be discerning and be deliberate. 
Uh, Be discerning. C.S. Lewis observed, I love this, friendship can be a school of virtue and a school of vice. It's ambivalent. It makes good men better and bad men worse. Proverbs 13.20 expresses the same truth. He or she who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Uh, We may have plenty of companions, perhaps even friends, but for some of us, they may be the wrong ones. Far from helping us live as we should, they lead us astray. And therefore, some growing friendships really require a loosening rather than a binding. It is great to have a range of friendships, but perhaps our closest can be with those we share our highest goals and help us live up to them. And Vaughan Roberts says, when it comes to true close friends, be discerning. But secondly, he says, be deliberate. A friendship is not automatic. Perhaps that's the myth. Maybe I'll just go with one myth this Sunday, that friendship is automatic, that you'll always have friends. That is not true. It's not the case. And perhaps as we get older, we realize that it's not always the case. Friendship is not automatic. It requires time and energy. Uh, Hugh Black writes, often we want to reap where we've not sown. The secret of friendship is the secret of all spiritual blessings. The way to get is to give. In other words, the way to have good friends is to be a good friend. The way to have good friends is to be a good friend. Instead of lamenting, perhaps, not that I hear this from anyone in this congregation, but nonetheless, maybe it's happening inside in your heart or mind, instead of lamenting that no one invites us for a meal or that our community, church community is unfriendly or that everyone relates on a superficial level, we, we may take the initiative to open our homes and lives and see what happens. The implications of Proverbs 18 is that we should strive to forge friendships rather than just surround ourselves with companions. For a man or woman of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. True friendship is crucial. It is close. Thirdly, true friendship is candid. Uh, Proverbs 27 says, Better is an open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Uh, Or as Oscar Wilde once said, a true friend stabs you in the front. (laughs) If, If true intimacy is to develop in our friendships, we must be willing to be honest in talking to our friends, not only about our failings, but also, where appropriate, about theirs. Uh, This is what the scriptures refer to as rebuke or correction. For true friendship is candid. And indeed, the gospel gives us a fantastic foundation for such rebuke and correction, which is grace. 
when we speak a word of truth into our friend's life, especially a Christian brother or sister, we do not do it standing above them. We do it shoulder to shoulder, side by side, as we're seeking to walk this path of faith in Jesus together. I'm more than aware that often it's love for myself and fear of being badly received rather than a love for my friend that may hold me back from speaking an uncomfortable truth to him or her. And yet it can be one of the great blessings we give our closest friends. Vaughan Roberts reflects on watching the X Factor auditions. I'm not sure if you're a fan of X Factor or Australian Idol or any of those sorts of TV shows. He writes this, You fear the worst when the candidate is asked what her dream is and replies confidently that she wants to be the next Shirley Bassey or Beyonce. She then sings without hitting a note, apparently undeterred by the giggling of the judges. Some try to be kind and suggest that perhaps singing isn't for you, but there's always one who says what we're all thinking. Do you realize you sound like a cat wailing? That prompts a furious reaction. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm a brilliant singer. I'm going to make it to the top. Then you'll be sorry. How can she be so deluded? The answer is revealed when she leaves the room to be confronted by her friends and family, who all assure her that she has a wonderful voice, and a brilliant future, no matter what the panel says. Vaughan Roberts says, they think they are being kind, but they are destroying her life with their lies. If we are to be a good friend and become a mature person, it is vital that we learn to respond to criticism well, especially when it comes from those we love. Perhaps this is the very reason why God has given us the potential for friendship, so that we can walk the journey of faith with a trusted voice of support, learning, and learning is not just something we do in primary school and high school. As adults, we learn to give and to receive honest words to our closest friends. True friendship is crucial and close, it's candid, and number four, true friendship is constant. Proverbs 17 says, a friend loves at all times. A brother is born for adversity. Perhaps an entry point for each one of us is to ask the question, what kind of friend am I? What kind of friend am I? Uh, Reflecting upon his own experience, Vaughan Roberts writes these words. He said, I've made many friends over the years, but maintaining them had not been a priority. I allowed myself to become so busy that I hardly ever saw friends and contented myself with an occasional group email to let them know what I was up to. It was hardly surprising, therefore, that when I became conscious, conscious of the need to rely more deeply on friends myself, it was not immediately obvious who to turn to. I was reminded during a sabbatical of a truth that I knew in my head but had hardly allowed to impact my heart and my actions, that nothing was more important than relationships with God and with others. And that I needed to reorder my life accordingly. I've tried since then, not always successfully, to prioritize time for friendships. 
My guess is that for many of us, we may resonate with these words. And perhaps for some of us, a reordering of our life would be a real blessing. The question is, what practical steps can we take if we are conscious that our friendships have fallen into disrepair? Or perhaps if we want to initiate and begin new friendships. And uh, here again, I think Vaughan Roberts gives four helpful suggestions. He says, be selective, be open, be interested, be committed. Be selective. The truth is we simply can't, cannot invest the same amount of time and attention in every relationship we have. This does not mean ignoring others, but it will involve doing all we can to ensure we are sharing life at a deeper level with some. Be open. If we want greater intimacy with others, we'll have to be prepared to be open with them, sharing our hopes, fears, passions, also our darkest secrets, our greatest temptations. When you have the courage to be open, you give permission for your friends to be open as well. And perhaps they're waiting for someone to give them that permission to have an honest conversation. Be interested. We all want someone to listen to us, but we must be prepared to listen to others and actually take an interest in their life. Are we willing to share our faith journey and, in fact, to ask our friends, our Christian brothers and sisters, about their faith journey. And finally, be committed. It appears there's no shortcut to intimacy. It requires commitment over the long haul. Uh, helpfully, Vaughan notes, it, it's worth stressing once again that we must not wait until others relate like this to us. The way to have such constant friends is to be a constant friend. A true friendship is crucial, close, candid, constant. Finally, true friendship is Christ-centered. When I say this, I'm not saying that those who don't follow Jesus or those who don't yet identify as a Christian in their faith journey can't have good friendships. Um, that's a false and unhelpful assumption. But what I am saying is that one of the great blessings of following Jesus is that you can do so with someone else in a way that sort of fits by design and brings God joy. In Colossians 3, the Apostle Paul writes, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. Now, what does that even mean? Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. Well, Paul goes on to write, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Doesn't that sort of sound and smell like friendship? Honest friendship? I mean, you may not get together with a close friend and sing, um, although perhaps that's one of the only times you do sing, as you put on, you know, favourite hits from the 80s. And, but I don't know, that's up to you and your friends. It's certainly something we get to share, singing psalms and spiritual songs. We get to share that every Sunday here at church as a, a family. 
But surely the vehicle in which we let the message of Christ dwell among us richly is friendship. Like good old-fashioned friendship. Where we recognise we're walking the same path together, following Jesus side by side with a brother or sister. And we let the message of Christ, actual words, questions, encouragements, spoken amongst us, dwell richly. Uh, Wisdom refers to the biblical art of living well. And I wonder if friendship, perhaps more than any of our other relationships, is a true fruit of wisdom. It's also fair to say that in each season of life, the friendship journey is very different. From primary school to high school, from high school to work or university, into full-time work, into having perhaps a marriage or a family, retirement, life after retirement. These are all different seasons in which friendship will look different or your experience of it Uh, there'll be some seasons of life where we are losing our friends uh, through them moving away or perhaps through death and it's a difficult time as we mourn the loss of friendships and yet the wisdom of the scriptures just keeps urging us to keep fostering friendships wherever we may find ourselves, Deepening old friendships, perhaps beginning new ones. Today could be a God-given day for you to reflect upon what it may look like for you to foster good friendships. What it may look like for you um, to be a good friend what it may look like to see this as the grace of God through which he wants you to share your journey of faith with another. The wisdom that leads to such friendships isn't sexy, but it is real and it is honest. And I trust that God is good in giving us this word and this encouragement as we grow up as children of his. And so let me pray for us that indeed we may have the courage to follow God's wisdom. Let me pray. Our dear Lord and our loving Heavenly Father, grant us the wisdom through the power of your Spirit within us to seek good friendships. Lord, give us the courage to be a good friend wherever you have placed us. And Lord, we ask that you will lead us in all these things as we follow together your son Jesus in our life of faith. And we pray this in his name. Amen.